Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You guys ever think that we should probably not be putting these on YouTube anymore because there's going to be a visual history into our slow descent into madness? Like you can actually track it based on the length of our hair and beards. I think this will be valuable information for researchers 300 years from now studying the pandemic. So we should absolutely keep doing this. And I I feel like we're a, a group of normal looking, acting normal, just, a, you know, average citizens right now. Yeah, acting real normal, Brad. <laughs> this is uh, only the second ever episode where we have uh, Brad and hockey gear. Only Loves the second. Only the second. I'm surprised it's taking this long. The The helmet and stick I get, but the gloves is actual full commitment. I mean, you're not going to just half-ass this, right? So what happens if I ask you to look something up on your laptop? I Believe it or not, I can actually operate my mouse with this. <laughs> not Not well, mind you, but I can uh evan is slowly making his transformation from uh, shea weber to hugh jackman so that's actually coming along pretty well buddy yes uh it will be different on sunday since i need to shave it's getting out of control why do you why do you need to shave on sunday what do you have on sunday before sunday i should say is there a I have nothing tournament? i have literally oh. nothing to do <laughs> you kept say, he kept saying that pre-show like i have to do this for sunday i'm like what's going on sunday nothing the answer is nothing nothing uh great news um and i'm sure everyone's gonna be thrilled to hear this so brace yourselves uh we were able to do a contactless drop-off for our co2 tank and got it filled so our keg is now filled cheers thank god i know i know it was uh, extremely important now i'm fine for however long this quarantine goes <laughs> uh brad life with two kids anything new happened or is it just usual uh, the usual um you don't sleep. You have to entertain two small children. Oh, man. That video of uh, Hank and his Jolly Jumper just like teabagging Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. T- I don't know what's funnier. The fact that Ollie went and laid under Henrik or the fact that Henrik saw him there and is just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to keep bouncing and was literally just jumping up and down on his face. Neither of them even the least bit phased. Oh, man. Hank's a good kid. Do you call him Hank or Henrik more? Hank more, yeah. Yeah. What about uh, Crystal? Hank. Hank. Well, she calls him Hanky. <laughs> That's funny. Hank the Tank. Hank He's a big boy. Tank. He's a real big boy. Yeah. I don't know how Ollie put up with it. But he, well, he was literally teabagging him at points. It's it's the best way to put it. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm the grocery stick that sits between the forwards and the defensemen. And I'm Evan. Uh, now that Evan's woken up a little bit, um, on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be chatting, believe it or not, about uh, the NHL's potential and ever-evolving strategies or conversations to return to hockey. I know that's going to come as a surprise to some of you. Um, and then we will be doing uh, some more uh, draft profiles and content there and then get into some other news around the league before heading into um, overtime uh a couple things obviously for those just tuning in i know we got some questions um i got one from someone who just started tuning in they asked if we always uh are recording remotely no uh 
Uh, this is the product of the quarantine. So um, if you go far back enough in YouTube, you can see our usual setup where we're in the uh, studio um, at my place. I actually, for the first few episodes of the quarantine, had like the actual camera hooked into my laptop and showed the whole thing. And I was like, ah, screw it. Doesn't There's no point when we're all on just like laptop cameras. We might as well just call it what it is. So uh, as long as... Um, where we live is um, under these guidelines. That's what we'll be doing for the sake of public health and safety. So we are going to be recording remotely. So uh, for all of you who are new listeners and um, are uh, returning listeners, of course, as well, thanks for bearing with us. And um, we look forward to the days of normalcy, of course, but happy to be able to do this um, and still get the podcast out to you. So if you hear background noise, if you hear, you know, kids or uh, Mel's got like an announcer's voice, like I honestly don't even know why she bothers with Skype. They can probably hear her from where she is. Um, she'll probably come through in the background as well. And if any of you snitch to her on Twitter and tell her, because that's what you guys have been doing, you're dead to me. Anyways, uh, hockey. I miss it. Uh, Brad. Y- yeah, a little bit. A little uh, bit. I, I It dawned on me. Crystal was actually talking to me. I've played less than two months of hockey this winter. And it's because the season started early October. I made it a month before my shoulder blew out, missed a few months because of that, was back for a month. And then this shit happened. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm finding any kind of competition or sport that I possibly can, which is limited right now. You know, my newest thing is, oh, Evan, nice job muting before that sneeze. That was pro stuff right there. I'm not new around here anymore. (laughs) Um. The newest thing I've taken up is finding friends who want uh, an item that's like flying off the shelves online that they can't find and sourcing it for them. I found three Nintendo Switches for my friends so far. It's the only sense of fulfillment fulfillment I have. I am so incredibly bored. The only thing keeping me alive is my work um, laid off all but three of us. And they then immediately after handed down like a ton of projects. So I actually have stuff to do now, which is nice. But the real... Uh, clutch thing is because I have to go into the store five days a week. Now I get to go into rapid shot five days a week. Now my shot, I'm going to tell you what, when this quarantine over unreal skating, cardio, non-existent, but the shot, I tell you what, can you imagine how bad gyms are going to be when things are lifted? Like a zoo. Oh, I've never wanted a home gym more in my life. Yeah, I can't I can't work out at home. Even this, like the first week of quarantine, I figured out a lot of really good effective workouts from home. I'm doing them maybe three times a week. It's embarrassing. I just I can't find the motivation when I'm at home. And then when I actually attempt to do it, uh yeah, Mika happens. So you know. Hearing her speak via video is so jarring because obviously she's a small child, so she's growing at an insane rate, but she's like a coherent person now. Like you understand, like she puts together sentences and words in like a more or less normal way where I'm like, this is like talking to Evan. Like I'm getting actual understanding out of this. Just barely. The, but it the works. Lack, the lack of social interaction she's been getting lately has um, led her to talk more somehow uh, she's at the point where she narrates just about everything she does. My favorite thing, we'll be watching a sh- one of her shows on the TV. I'm sitting there watching it with her. She'll make me pause it, and then she'll tell me what just happened. 
the show that we were both watching together at the same time. She has to explain to me what happened, but she doesn't explain it. She just tells me. It's the most adorably frustrating thing I've ever encountered in my life. Well, just in case you missed it, Brad. Um, all right, let, let's get into hockey news here. Um, the obviously ever-present conversation has been about um, if the NHL is going to return for this season, how are they going to do it? And honestly, credit to them. They've been sticking to their guns in that like they've been saying, we don't know when this is going to happen, but we are determined to play with the season. So uh, that's a tough thing to stick to because, I mean, you're going to have pessimists like me, for example, saying, man, how can you finish this season? Um, but they're running a business and it's a $6 billion industry. So, um, they, I guess it's their prerogative to, to try at all costs and only at the very end call it. Um, the two reports came out pretty close to each other. The first one being that, uh, the NHL was all but confirmed. Um, they were just finalizing some details for some neutral site strategies. Um, and that was <laughs> funny enough, uh, that information, like everything else in the quarantine, has been uh, was useful for about an hour, and then uh, oh, there goes Brad's helmet. And then I was getting hot. It's hot yeah. down here. Soon thereafter, it was uh, said that nope, neutral sites are off the board for a multitude of reasons. Um, if you guys listen back to previous episodes, we've talked about those reasons why, um, or at least some of them, why this wouldn't exactly work. What they are looking at now is a reduced amount of locations being played. So similar to um, a condensed location of games uh, where they find like three or four, uh, maybe even five arenas, but they are going to make it NHL cities, or at least that's their plan. So a general structure is one team per division, and, and that's kind of the option that they're looking at right now. Anything that gets us hockey. Um <sighs> I want again. I've been remaining optimistic, but mm, these are going to have to be Canadian cities, aren't they? Yes. With these uh, absolutely insane protests going on in the states, like these people are aware this is going to lengthen the quarantine, not shorten it. Um, <laughs> oh, I I could go on an hour long rant about those morons, but I'm I'm not. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because it might actually be relevant because they are going to have to pick states. Where garbage like that isn't happening, um, I only know of a handful of places in the States. I don't know, can't tell you every state it's happening in, but it's going to be tricky because they've they've said it's got to be a, an area that's been relatively unaffected by this. If they want to use NHL markets, there aren't that many of them. Hello, Wyoming. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Anchorage, Alaska. How's, how's Hawaii doing? Do they have uh, arenas? Um, Edmonton's a good bet because it's Edmonton. Nobody wants to go to nobody wants to leave their house in Edmonton to begin with. It's still so, snowing there. It was snowing here yesterday, man. It's <laughs> so it's been snowing the past week. It sucks. You, you know it's it's bad when the Prime Minister of Canada says, and it's snowing in parts of Canada, like here in Ottawa, and then just deadpans the camera because that's what twenty twenty does. <laughs> It's partially my fault because the day it started snowing was the day my uh, hitting net arrived. Oh, yeah. So, there it is. It's my fault. It's my fault. Have you have you hit into it yet? We'll let you have your minute. What I was Evan. doing right before this. I said oh, that's why you were late getting on. Yeah. Okay. I thought you had a real life obligation. I'm already sore, which is not good. 
<laughs> but it's sweet. So I actually don't care about how long this quarantine goes anymore. Oh my god. I'll this is it. the Evans Heading Net podcast now. Another another year. Let's go. I'm ready. Oh no, please no. But um what was I saying? So yeah, so the only thing that confuses me about the four location divisional option is are we restructuring the playoffs then? That there's no wild cards. Um, you just you play out your division. It's old school. Division winner goes to the conference final. Just straight up. You're, it's going to be one versus four, uh, two versus three. Then they ride out those series. Winner plays each other. Winner of that gets to play the conference final. And then they pick whichever of the locations they're going to play it at. I would assume the higher seed. That's the ultimate asterisk Stanley Cup. Um, there's been conversations around professional sports where people have said, uh, for example, I'm going to use this because I'm a Liverpool supporter for the English Premier League. Liverpool, for those who don't know, have such an insanely large margin uh, for of lead for first overall. And uh, if you're not familiar with uh, soccer or football, depending on what you want to call it, um, they're like regular season standings is essentially one of their forms of championships there's a few different like titles that you can win in in professional soccer but your league table as it's called is essentially like the stanley cup or as close to it um there's different tournaments and and what have you um liverpool has such an insanely large margin is literally a formality at this point there are i can't remember how many games left on in the schedule like at least a dozen if not more and they need two wins or at least a net two wins where like they even if they win one and um people or one of the people or teams trailing them loses one and that counts um and they're being chided to say oh no if liver if they give the title to liverpool it's gonna have an asterisk and and in reality you're like oh no like that's still gonna count obviously but the moment you start to screw with things to say and this isn't a shot at you brad but this is just like my personal opinion like the moment you start to mess with it and say oh no division winners automatically go to the conference finals that champion that Stanley Cup champion will never be able to claim that victory like it's just not going to happen it's going to go down in the history bo- history books italicized with an asterisk and it's I don't know like I, I have a hard time seeing people recognizing that uh, like, I, I, I would sooner see them I would sooner see them just skip the regular season do a points percentage based playoffs and then just do like a five game series I, that in my mind would be more legitimate yeah, but that's the thing is this is a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't been made public. And, it, and it's my biggest source of frustration when all these rumors about how they're going to finish the season comes out. Because even the NHL saying, yeah, we're talking about this. No, it's not what we're going to do. No, we don't have a formal plan in place yet, but we're looking at it because maybe the four locations they pick don't have anything to do with the vision. Maybe they do just start with playoffs based on point percentage and then you ride it out exactly as the playoffs are now because you won't have to move anybody until the final four because the way it's structured now is the first two rounds of the playoffs are divisional anyway if it weren't for the fact that a wild card could come from a different division but um i don't remember the standings off the top of my head but let's say columbus is the eighth wild card and they're going through the atlantic bracket well yeah then if the atlantic division's just being hosted in hypothetically tampa bay well, yeah, then Columbus would just go play it out in Tampa Bay and you're going to have the same playoff structure. You're just going to send those four teams to there. Because if you want to talk about the 
ultimate logistical, what do I call it? Simplicity of it all is, yeah, scrap the regular season because for teams like the Red Wings and the Kings and the Sharks, there's no sense in us playing another game. None. Zero. It's just injury risk at this point because they're playing for nothing other than standings and they don't want to win. They want to lose to increase their odds. So literally these teams that can't sniff the playoffs, wasting time. Don't bother. Um, the Some teams will get screwed on the points percentage. I get that. If I was a team like the New York Rangers, who is just outside the bubble, yeah, I'd be pissed. But guess what? I'm pissed when my team's legitimately knocked out of the playoffs anyway, so who cares? Um, you take those four teams. You're only taking four teams, which is the critical part here, because then you're literally just rotating games, alternating nights at that arena. Unbelievably simple. So if the Atlantic was Boston versus Columbus, Toronto versus Tampa, cool. Boston's playing Columbus Tuesday night. Toronto, Tampa come in Wednesday, then alternate Thursday, Friday, Saturday until it's done. Ridiculously simple. And the winners play each other. They don't have to move. Where this is going to get, where this system loses its credibility and gets stupid is what Ryan already mentioned, is if they bother with the regular season. If this is their idea and they're not confident they're going to be able to travel around uh, uh, come July 1 and every team plays at their own arena... Don't waste your time with the regular season. Don't waste your time expanding the playoffs. Just do this because from a safety standpoint, from a health standpoint, this is your best bet. And it's not the fairest. It's not the most entertaining. But it's the one that's going to be the easiest to execute. Yeah, we're not getting pro sports back. The more, the more, like I, I think about it, the more impossible it will really be. Like, not let's getting the players to be isolated by themselves to then play a contact sport. Even that is going to be hard enough to to pull off. But when you start to think of all the accessories to pulling off a professional sport, so let's talk about the EMTs who have to be at the facilities who will need to be isolated for fourteen days. The chefs, the cooks, the people who have to go get the food, the delivery drivers. Um, what happens if someone gets injured? Then they have to go to the hospital. Now that player has to be isolated for another two weeks. Like the number of outstanding circumstances and constraints is just way too high. And I'm happy that sports leagues are still trying to pull it off. But contact sports, unfortunately, hockey is probably the, the hardest one to pull off because a they want it to happen now and it's a contact sport. Whereas baseball, they can spread players out a little bit more. There's not much contact. Golf is golf. Tennis is tennis. Um, and football has some time to, to figure it out. But I, in a perfect world, I still don't think this can be pulled off. And it's certainly not soon. My, my hope rests not on the timeline because I'm with Evan there. Come July 1, this is still going to be a big problem, especially with the way a good chunk of the U.S. and Canada is handling this. Um, where I still have hope, and I mentioned this before, is going to be, as we learn more about this disease, as we learn more about quarantining, as we learn more about the logistics, they're going to find better ways to properly quarantine a group of people and execute things. Because, you know, if you test everybody from the organization 
before they get on the plane. So, you know, at moment of takeoff, nobody has it. And then you can successfully keep them away. Yeah, they could probably pull this off. Now, how you test that many people and how you keep them tested. I know there's private companies charging like $300 a test and maybe you run a few of them a week. I, I don't know. I am not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not anybody who's even remotely qualified to talk about this. But I have faith in the people who are qualified to talk about this to set proper protocols in place. Because if we're talking July 1, that still leaves them well over two months to figure out how to make this work. But where the NHL's got to get on the ball is they can't drag their heels about this. They have to, I don't know exactly how long, but they got to figure out what they're going to do soon. Whether it's we're playing at our home ranks, whether it's four locations, whether it's one location, they got to figure it out so that they can go, okay, here's what we're doing. Hire all the appropriate people and say, okay, here's our plan. How do we do this? And then you start putting the protocols and figuring out the logistics of it. Uh, Frank Saravalli put out a a piece talking about, you know, obviously all this is qualified with the notion that this is all very fluid and and nothing is really past conceptual stage at this point. But uh, the NHL is keeping a running list of up to 10 NHL cities that could suitably host um, these games in the event of a centralized restart. Those are in his words. Uh, So St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina um, have been possibilities, um, but the Hurricanes practice facility um is running behind schedule due to coronavirus so that that construction is a little bit slower um arizona has expressed interest columbus um could do it because they have a really good practice facility attached to nationwide arena um and then four major um highlights here are edmonton uh toronto pittsburgh and dallas and that is depending uh all of these factors are based on um the the amenities and the resources they have on hand uh what the local situation is like with with uh, their cases in the pandemic um how they reasonably could host this while still maintaining public health and um if you have an idea in your head to say one of those cities wouldn't work or obviously this does or doesn't make sense then you're probably right like this is all so early stages and and things change so incredibly quickly like it's incredibly jarring to see how much uh, this differs regionally as well. Like where we are, it's not great. Um, I mean, we're all still stuck at home, but it seems to things seem to be going, I mean, okay compared to, you know, across the pond or, or, or just across the border. So it's, it's hard to, to have a broad stroke solution here that, that makes sense. And, it feels like no matter what it is, like Brad and Evan detailed for you, it's going to be a fragile solution at best. So I don't know. I'm walking this line as a hockey fan saying I'm desperate for anything for entertainment, but it's kind of silly to pretend that this whole thing doesn't apply to athletes as well. The virus doesn't really care how many million dollars you're making a year. I mean, Evan's stuck at home and a billionaire. I'll tell you when the next sports event is happening. 8 p.m. NFL draft. May 24th, the medalist golf course in Florida, Tiger versus Phil, Peyton versus Tom. It's happening. Did Wait, you see seriously? That? Yeah. They're playing a foursome for uh, charity for COVID-19 relief. Are they going to be distancing while they do it? No, they're super rich. Why would they do that? <laughs> You're distancing. You're super rich. Yeah. Everyone, I'm saying this, and people who might not know that I'm kidding are looking in the background, um, are like, uh, what? 
Yeah, so that that'll be the first sporting event since the everything got shut down. Great timing too, because isn't that to what um, uh, Doug Ford just said? Everything's closed until at least May twenty fourth here in Ontario. Now he just extended that. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Sucks though. So I'll still be home to watch it. I can I can guarantee that. Other piece of all of this is that there's been more as we seem to have gotten like a windfall of information from the NHL in terms of what they've been considering, which again, how useful is that really? Not at all because they should be considering everything and are, um, but there have been discussions on just running the draft in June as expected online digitally. And uh, with the idea in your head that it's not going to be perfect. So let's just try to do this and we'll figure it out. I, okay. So I, I feel like, Every single one of our listeners has tweeted at us about what are our thoughts about this. So um, I think I've answered this question about 900 times. But to repeat, from a fandom standpoint, more specifically as a Red Wings fan standpoint, uh, I'd be all in for this because the rest of our season doesn't matter. We know what place we're finishing. We know what our lottery odds are. And I am starting to lose my damn mind. So the sooner I can get something of interest in my life, like, watching an NHL draft and then spending the entire summer talking and researching about the prospects we picked, that would make me very happy from a hockey fan standpoint. I can't, I understand the circumstances, but this is tremendously dumb because if you are planning on running a playoff, I don't, especially in a playoffs like this year where it's going to be so volatile because it might be shortened series. There might be 20 teams involved. In theory, uh, a team that's not even in a playoff spot right now could win a wild card, win a couple rounds, and win the Stanley Cup. I don't want that team picking 14th overall and then winning a Stanley Cup because that's just not fair. Because that means they have a really good team and now they're adding a top-end prospect. for. There's a reason the Stanley Cup champions pick 31. Um, also, the one thing, uh, this will apply to a lot of teams, but in Red Wings land specifically, doing the draft before the playoffs could hurt us. Because let's not forget about the Mike Green trade condition. If Edmonton goes to the conference finals, we get a third round pick instead of a fourth. That could be a really damn good pick in this draft. It's a very deep forward group. If we do this before the playoffs, we don't get that pick. So if Edmonton does make the conference finals or win the cup, well, sucks to suck. We missed it. So I get why they're considering it, but I still wouldn't. You're, you have an incredibly level-headed take here, and I can appreciate that. And I, I thought about it for a long time, and I have uh, accepted that I, I just can't get there in being rational. And um, I'm not going to try, and I would like it to happen in June just because I want it. <laughs> I want I want to be able to watch the draft lottery with you guys, even if it has to be remotely. I want to be able to to do that live stream. I want to be able to react to the draft. I want to be able to have some semblance of a you know, all this content building up to something where we know it's gonna happen. I don't know. I don't operate well in uncertainty and the Red Wings obviously are in a great position for the draft and the draft lottery, provided that these things don't change. Brad's right that that fourth to third round pick matters. Um, 
there there's a conditional picks across the league and conditions and contracts across the league that are all are all are relevant here and and uh, this was brought up i think by friedman uh, who said it's not even just players and gms it's um scouts a lot of contracts roll over on july 1st so they're not going to want to be uh mucking about working for a team on some kind of extended contract and then they might not be renewed three weeks later you know so um uh, I don't want to say let's just get this done, let's do it because I think I'm just I want something, and so the moment I say that, and then the Red Wings lose the draft lottery, which is the most likely scenario, I'll be pissed that I even you know hope for that. Not that I have any bearing on the situation. Um, it's Evan that pulls the strings. Um, I don't know. I, I I I wouldn't call them crazy for running it in June and saying, look, we know it's not perfect, but. It's the top, it's the back half of this first round that really has things to worry about uh, in terms of maybe getting it in the wrong order by a few picks, but that's something that they'd have to be willing to accept. In my mind, as a fan of a team that's drafting uh, in the top four guaranteed, that makes sense. Um, but you're right, there's a lot of conditions at play here. People lose out, but maybe that's it. Maybe we just accept that people are going to lose out, or maybe we we work that out down the road. Maybe that those conditions you know get renegotiated to say yeah that gets flipped to the next available pick that can possibly be bumped up and it applies to the 2021 edmonton oilers you know like there's no perfect answer to all this there's no silver bullet there's no absolute one strike one hit yeah we solved everything that doesn't apply anywhere in life right now uh again i keep saying that at work like there's no one single solution so in sports it feels like whatever they come up with is going to have to be like a some people are going to suffer and, and that's just the reality of it if you if we want to make the draft happen the one thing i was thinking about was if we can reanimate tupac we can animate alexi lafreniere to walk across the stage there's no excuses we have the money we have the time and the technology we can make this happen I thought you meant if we could bring Tupac back to life and I'd be like, it's weird. He's alive in Cuba right now, but whatever. That's but true. I see what you mean. If we could make like a hologram Tupac concert, man, that was years ago and we have not had a, a big hologram concert since. No, it makes no sense. Now's the perfect time. Let's get a hologram concert going. What else are people doing? What's NASA doing right now? Nothing. Yeah, NASA. Why don't you fake another moon? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> Imagine being quarantined on the ISS right now. Must be weird. Yeah, you can't come back. The planet's burning. You're stuck up there, bud. Yeah, well. Probably not the worst place to be. Probably the best view they've ever had right now. Oh, for real. Have you seen have you been seeing all those pictures of LA? Like with no smog? Oh, I know. It's it's ridiculous. Like everywhere. It's it's wild. Yeah. I was like, man, LA is a beautiful city. What the hell? Um all right, should we get should we get into uh, draft um, profile content here? Sure. All right. Today's uh, draft pro- profile subject, as selected by none other than Brad Crisco, is uh, left-handed defenseman uh, Emil Andre. So, Brad, you take it away. First of all, I didn't select this guy. I randomized a 65 prospect name, and we're just, I've just been going in order on that for the draft rankings. But... Um, Mil Andre is going to be one of the bigger, bigger wild cards in this draft because depending on who you talk to, he's anywhere from mid in the first round to well into the second round. Um, your stereotypical small offensive D-man. Um, 
the thing that I find is different about Andre versus other defensemen, because in terms of his skill set, we've seen defensemen like him a million times. He's the modern day defenseman. Moves the puck well, skates well, tiny, does his job. But Andre, I find to be a very aggressive defenseman, uh, both in the way he plays and his physicality. Um, I've seen, admittedly, he was one of the harder prospects to find video of to watch. So I've I've watched less of him than other ones, but he loved the Forsberg reverse check. I've seen him throw that one a few times. So even though he's a little guy with the puck going into a dangerous area, when the attacker closes in on him, he just throws a shoulder into him and uh, very aggressive on defense. He's I, I find he's a good defender. I Other people have knocked it. So based on my limited viewings, I'm almost almost want to take their word over mine, but I digress. He he's going to be an interesting defenseman because he's again that five foot nine ish offensive defenseman, but he doesn't play like he's five foot nine, and I respect that. Whether or not that can translate to a higher level because he's playing in the junior league in Sweden right now uh, remains to be seen. Because as Joe Hicketts learned, uh, they hit a little harder in the NHL and they're a little bigger, a little stronger. Um, but I like the style. I like the player just concerned about how his game will translate against men yeah that basically sums it up like we've seen these undersized offensive defensemen some pan out but it seems like the majority don't so a team's gonna have to have a very very extensive draft profile on him to really make that call some teams are willing to take that risk and get a ryan ellis some teams aren't so he could be up or down in the draft board. I think it's all going to depend on when teams start taking defensemen in the first round and how many are kind of around um, in the mid-first round. Um, I, I can barely find any clips of him as well, um, but he looks like he's a really good skater and has a, has a good pass and good hockey sense. So those are sort of the building blocks to success in the NHL. It's just, can his game translate to the NHL level? Yeah, I mean, the last time I discounted a guy who played defense for his uh, uh, ability to translate that into the NHL is now um, in contention for, uh, they called her trophy in Vancouver. So I'm not going to be the first to get on him about his size. He's not huge, and that's a problem uh, if you if you're an absolute you know purist in terms of that but we've seen that players who are a little bit smaller can be effective defenders when you're talking about physicality of course it helps to be huge um but also if you have a small player who's five foot nine who's shown that he's not afraid to get his nose dirty then that's great that's as much as you can ask for um he is agile he can handle the puck really well it looks like he's effective on both ends of the ice um super impressed with you know his footwork i think that's something that really can help a player as he's trying to make those broad leaps um from uh juniors or playing overseas into the show so um not saying he's a guarantee like quinn hughes of course that'd be crazy to say um not really ranked the same way that Quinn Hughes was about twice as far down the draft board right now but um, he, he should be in contention for possibly one of the, the top three or even top two defensemen in this draft like obviously he's not going to go fourth or fifth uh, or third overall even where Jamie Drysdale might go but uh, this guy has not a complete tool set but as complete of a tool set as you can ask for for a guy who's who's projected in the middle to the late first round so um, very interesting guy um a player who's an another player who's made me really miss um prospect shifts 
again, finding videos was extremely difficult for him. Um, but no, I, I think he's an intriguing prospect and we're going to do this stupid line every time. It's he's likely not in the Red Wings range. Um, I he could might be s- in the in the second round. Yeah, I, I could see thir- I could very easily see him falling to thirty two. I could it, absolutely see it. I would call that much more likely five years ago than now. But no, it's still on the board. Like I've seen him projected fifteenth. I've seen him projected forty fifth. Like it, he's he's in that range. Um, if the Red Wings grab this guy at thirty one or sorry thirty two, oh boy, would I be thrilled? Like I I do believe him to be a first round talent. Um, it's a little bit more swing for the fences type of pick, but if you're that kind of uh, person, that that might be what you want. So, for a team that's looking for a safer bet at 15th or 16th or 17th, I, I can see them passing on him. But if you're talking 25, 32, like, yeah, absolutely, I think Emil Andre would be a great, great pick there. Now, I I had him personally ranked in the high 20s, which everybody will be able to see soon because I actually finished writing my article that will be posted on wingedwheelpodcast.com soon if you wanted to see my top 31 prospects. Um, The one thing where I think it's going to be very interesting, specifically with guys like Andre, is when I was – I mapped out my top 62 prospects when I started writing the article so that I could chalk names off and, you know, jumble the list, yeah, all that. This – like not just at the top going deep into the draft is maybe it's just what I saw, but forward heavy. And a lot of the defensemen who are projected towards mid late first round, are not offensive defensemen. There's a, there's guys like, uh, Caden Gooley and, uh, William Wallander, Ryan O'Rourke who are, who are good, but they don't have that like high end offensive upside. So for a team that's looking for that left shot, offensive defensemen i mean assuming drysdale and sanderson both go in the top 15 there's not many options beyond that you're looking at poirier you're looking at andre and then off the top of my head not a lot of names are are coming to me here so yeah it it's going to be interesting i don't like ryan was saying i'm not betting on him getting to 32 because i think there'll absolutely be a team in that 18 to 25 range who wants that defenseman but you never know yeah those four names pretty much stick out to me as the top four defensemen and no one can predict the first round perfectly it's like trying to predict march madness perfectly it's kind of hard to pin down where teams are thinking and especially a year where teams have a limited viewing on prospects and things kind of grinded to a halt just before the peak of analysis you're going to find way more volatility than what you're used to but um i you'd be hard pressed to find a lot uh, a majority of people who wouldn't say that it's uh drysdale sanderson poirier Andre, who are the top four, you might find some who sub out Andre, but it's in the margins there. Uh, Brad mentioned his uh, article or his uh, draft rankings. So uh, for those who haven't been around uh, long enough to, or who have came come on, like sorry, started as a listener of the show uh, after last year's draft, this is something that Brad tries to do uh, or does every year. So um, 
as you'll notice, he's a little bit of a rain man when it comes to knowing draft prospects. Um, this is his uh, absolute obsession. Um, I personally have learned a lot more about uh, prospects and prospect analysis from Brad. Don't tell him I said that. Um, so uh, something that we look forward to every year is when he puts out his piece on his own draft rankings. Um, I sometimes do my own. Evan sometimes does his own, but Brad's is really um, that kind of big fleshed out piece. So we are working on finalizing that and it will be up on wingedwheelpodcast.com within the next few days or sorry even sooner than that and we will link to it on twitter and facebook and everything so keep an eye out for that and uh, for patrons who want to know what the rankings are there is a uh, names only like rankings only no uh, description list up on patreon for patrons right now so you can go check that out at patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast i'm assuming that's what the link is i actually don't know um okay so uh quick hits I have a couple for us here. Uh, Columbus made some moves in their uh, goalie situation. They extended uh, Elvis Merzlikens two years, four million a year. Uh, Short term, low cap hit. What's not to like about it? Because we don't know what Elvis Merzlikens will be long term as a goalie yet. He was playing out of his mind um, last, I don't know, we'll call it half of this season uh, before I believe he got injured. And I think they're only paying Corpus Allo. I think they extended him for only $2.2 million. So Columbus is going to be an absolutely fad, fascinating case study. And here's why you don't pay the big free agent goalies. This is either going to go very well and they look like geniuses. Or we're going to see a lot more Sergei Bobrovsky contracts in the future. Because if, if this doesn't work and, and more teams try this and it doesn't work... Teams always go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So I, I personally like what Columbus did here with Merzlikens and Corpus Allo, but who knows? I, I like it too. Like they are coming in at 68% or something of both those goalies who performed phenomenally last year when they weren't injured. Uh, and they performed fantastically better than Bobrovsky, who was making 10 million a year. So it's hard to do that to find two premier goalies or, or goalies who can play at that level, even for a short stint of time. Of course, not everyone can just pull that out of a hat. It's not like the Red Wings can just sign Jonathan Bernier and have him stand on his head, you know? Um, all jokes aside, like th- that, that's a great strategy for teams who can manage it. In general, it's pretty risky to pay a goalie that much. Um, speaking of which, I hate to give this shit attention, but you see that stupid tweet from the, I'm not even going to name the person, but it's the the analyst in Montreal talking about the, they're like, think what's the craziest trade that you can think of the blah, 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 like absolutely out of this world trade. And it was Montreal trades, <laughs> Carey Price to Detroit for the, for Anthony Mantha in the first overall pick. And then they finished the, they finished the tweet thinking that it would cover their ass saying, uh, obviously this won't happen, but still. And I'm like, no, no, no. You don't just get to put something like that out there and just not get absolutely ridiculed for it. So, st- how do I put it? <laughs> Tweets like this. I, I don't mind people getting weird. It's a fun thought exercise. And you could say, yeah, what would it cost for Detroit to trade the first overall pick? We all know they'll ne- never trade it, but it, it's fun to figure out what it is. What makes this one so offensive is just how horribly overvalued Carey Price and his contract are. I, I love Carey Price. I still think he's one of the five best goalies in the league. 
Um, but he makes ten and a half million dollars, which I'm not a fan of, uh, for a long time to come. Uh, and he's not young. I wouldn't trade Anthony Mantha one for one for Carey Price because of that contract. You're telling me your kicker would be the first overall pick. What planet do you live on where that makes even a little bit of sense? If we're going to have these thought experiments of ridiculous trades, I am all for it, especially nowadays where we have nothing else to talk (laughs) about. But for the love of God, be realistic. Like we're not, why would we trade a 25 year old potential 40 goal score? I would almost argue at this point, likely 40 goal score at least once or twice in his career. Who's going to come in probably three to $4 million a year less and is five or six years younger than Carey price. Maybe even more than that. Why? Why would we do that? No, absolutely not. No. And then the first overall pick on top of that. I I can't, I can't, I can't even physically process what it would take for a person to think that's a good trade. I took such an earful when I talked about Glenn Denning possibly getting a second round pick from someone. I took the, I, I got absolutely demolished for thinking that, that he could possibly do it. And I wasn't even saying Glenn Denning is necessarily worth a second round pick, you know, in a vacuum. I was saying, is an effective enough guy where I can see a GM doing it if uh, Eisman holds out. Oh, my whole I got torn apart. The notifications did not stop. And then you just uh, re-copy and pasted the link where it showed that Barclay Goudreau got traded for a first in yeah. response to everybody, I assume? Honestly, yeah. And then you see this from someone. Uh, I, I It makes me feel a lot better that knowing we're homers, but we at least try to take off the rose color or the Montreal color glasses from time to time. No, that was just something funny that came up. Okay. Well, if you, if you wanted to get weird, is there like honest question, understanding that we won't take a huge package of volume to trade the first overall pick. Is there anything in the Montreal organization that would even make you consider trading first overall? Uh, I would say no, no, nothing that wouldn't be a risk. Right. And you don't trade that because unless you're, you're, you're wanting to take a risk. And if you're wanting to take a risk, you're already doing it by putting all your eggs in the first overall basket. Like, okay, what, what's the best piece that they have that, that makes sense with Detroit's timeline? Take, Take the best prospect they have in their system and the best young player on their roster just i don't know who they are off the top of my head but figure it out and and let's offer that so are you doing it for yemi and romanov yeah no chance i don't even consider that i laugh you off the phone and that's supposed to be romanov yeah Yeah, no of course not so (laughs) it's dumb Okay, I have one more little thing for us. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done one of these. So because we didn't have a March Madness this year, we are going to be doing our own little uh, brackets. Um, because Detroit is drafting top four overall guaranteed, unless the NHL pulls a fast one on us, um, The uh, we did the top best ever of the last 16 fourth overall picks. We did it for third overall picks. And now I've randomized a bracket for us today for best ever of the last 16 second overall picks so these are completely randomized seeds and we're going to go through them uh, round by round to decide who is in the past 16 years the best second overall pick so we have uh line a- the full list just go matchup by matchup 
Oh, okay. So uh, Patrick Line versus Nolan Patrick Line. What am I doing? Oh, I got Nolan Patrick. Pat. Sorry, who was it? Yeah, Nolan Patrick Line. Yeah, I, I got confused with my list. I'm like, wait, no, those both apply. Uh, so Line versus Nolan Patrick first round. That's Line. Easy. Yeah, it's Line. No doubt about it. Um, Ryan Murray versus Tyler Sagan. Sagan. Easy. Yep. Uh, Malkin versus Bobby Ryan. Moving on. Uh, Jordan Stahl versus Drew Doughty. Uh, Doughty. Yep. That's that's Doughty. JVR versus Barkov. Barkov. Yep. Uh, this one's that's tight, but no, yeah, I think Barkov, Barkov's going to surpass him. That is not even a debate. I think Barkov's already there. Uh, I think this next one is tight. It's still clear, but still tight. Hedman versus Landeskog. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I, I feel bad bumping Landeskog out in the first round because he's a lot better than people give him credit for because of playing with McKinnon and Rantanen. But yeah, no, it's Hedman. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, tell uh, what a Tampa Bay team has Hedman in the lineup and which one doesn't. Capocacco versus Sam Reinhardt. Ooh, I, I mean... Tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Kako just because I think we know what Reinhardt is at this point, and he's not a top five pick. So yeah. Kako yeah. still could be. Um, Jack Eichel versus uh, Andre Sveshnikov. Oh, that's that sucks for Sveshnikov. <laughs> I, like, Eichel is so, so underappreciated in the conversation of superstars in the NHL. I think people think that just because he's not McDavid, he's not a superstar, and he really, really is. Um, but man, Sveshnikov looks special too. So it's really hard to bump Svech, but I think you have to. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's Eichel. It's yeah. absolutely Eichel. Okay. Uh, Patrick Line versus Tyler Sagan. I'm, mm, mm. I'm going Sagan because I don't think Line has shown the consistency right now to project over the course of his career that he's definitely going to be better than Sagan. I like Sagan's overall game more than Line's. And when Line's game's not going, he's very much a liability. But Sagan just had a really bad year for where he was picked and what he costs per season. Um, if I had to say who's the better player, I still go Sagan and just write this off as a down year. But given all circumstances, if I'm building a franchise right now and I get to pick one of the two, I'd pick Line. But for the purposes of this exercise, it's Sagan. Yeah, we might end up uh, looking silly in a few years, but we haven't seen the consistency right now or so far from that. Um, what we should do is put them in a one V one in Fortnite to decide. Um, Sagan's too busy crushing tens. <laughs> Evgeny Malkin versus uh, Drew Doughty. It's Malkin. Malkin yeah. without a doubt. Uh, Barkov versus Hedman. And that might be the matchup of the whole bracket. I still, I go Hedman here. I, I love Barkov, but mm, Hedman's a perennial Norris candidate. When you're the player on your team who makes your insanely good presidential team better, and it's obvious when you're not in the lineup, you're going to win this matchup. So that's why I think it's Hedman. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's just so hard. I think that that's honestly the narrowest margin we're going to find in all of this because I, I think at any given moment you can pick on any given night where the NHL is actually running Barkov is the best player playing. Yeah, that could be the case. Um, 
but yeah, Hedman is just year in, year out, an underappreciated, solid defenseman at both ends of the ice. It has to go to him, but that's tough, man. Uh, Jack Eichel versus Capocacco. Eichel. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Eichel. Okay, so we have uh, Tyler Sagan versus Evgeny Malkin. It's, it's Malkin. It's Malkin. Uh, and then Victor Hedman versus Jack Eichel. Man, that one I think might be harder. This is the hardest one. one. I'm going to go Eichel. I I want to say Eichel first. I'm I'm going to go Eichel. I mean, he has a lot less to work with in Buffalo than Tampa does in Hedman, and he still absolutely popped off this year. Well, he's had a ton of good years, but this year, up until January, he was probably a heart finalist before he had a couple weeks of uh, of being a relatively quiet before he got hot again. But yeah, I mean, you put Eichel on Tampa, he's putting up a buck 20 every year, possibly. So yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it feels Hedman's bad. got a better track record, but Eichel's truly something special. Head, yeah, I feel bad for Hedman having to lose right here. And it kind of sounds like we're dumping on him a little bit, but the, the, shitty teams Eichel's kind of had to pull out of the absolute gutter even though they've still been a gutter team and he he's gets his coaches fired and he he never quits even on those bad teams like he's the type of guy you you try and build a franchise around if you can't get a McDavid yeah if any one of you or if either one of you argued for Hedman I would not have blamed you but I think it has to be Eichel here um you wouldn't you wouldn't be remiss in picking either one, which leaves us in the finals of Evgeny Malkin versus, versus Jack Eichel. Um and if, state the obvious. If Jack Eichel were five years older and not on a dumpster fire of a team, this would be a real conversation because I think talent wise they're not far off, but you know it's it's obvious. Jack Eichel's gonna finish a top hundred player of all time. <laughs> Willie though? Willie <sighs> How stupid was that list, man? Duncan gonna, Keith was on that, and Evgeny Malkin wasn't. Rasmus Dahlin's going to win four Norrises and be left off. Uh, oh, man. Evgeny Malkin, people don't realize, like, I think if Crosby and Ovechkin, or one of Crosby or Ovechkin didn't exist, Evgeny Malkin would be also considered that generational talent. He's not right now because I think people don't want to saturate it. No, and the worst, I, the most rattling thing is, is when Crosby isn't existent and he's hurt. Malkin's better; like he improves his game. Malkin is the, in terms of stature and how people view him, might be the most unlucky player in NHL history because, in his own draft, where in ninety-eight percent of drafts he goes first overall. Who, who are the only two drafts in the last how many years where Malkin wouldn't have went first? Ovechkin's year, Crosby's year, McDavid's year. I, I would argue Malkin goes first any other year. Yeah. And um, so not only is he not first overall in his own draft, the dude picked ahead of him from his own country. So he's not even the best player from his country in that draft. And then the team that drafts him the next year gets the only, maybe one of two players on the planet at the time better than him. So then immediately from his start of his NHL career, he's still second fiddle so the dude his entire life has been at worst at worst a top five player on the planet but has never been the best player on his own team 
internationally or in the NHL. <laughs> Ovechkin, Crosby, and Malkin have ruined, also have ruined hockey fans' perspectives of what prospects are supposed to be, which is why to this day we see people, people saying Zadina hasn't done anything. He's a bust or, you know, so and so's 20 years old. He's a bust or McKinnon early in his career. People were, call, were calling him as a bust as a first overall pick. Crosby, Ovechkin, and Malkin are freaks of nature. That's not how normal hockey players progress. They are all, by all intents and purposes, generational talents. And even if you want to move, remove uh, Malkin from that list, fine, but he is on the cusp. 99.99% of hockey players are not going to progress like those three did, and they are messing it up for everyone. And then, you know, you, you get McDavid however many years later, and that makes sense to get it that often. But think of how, oh, man. Gary Bettman lucked out and the NHL lucked out at a time where they needed that boost in on ice product and uh, advertisability and something to showcase more than ever. They got those three players at coming out of a lockout too. They got those three players. Holy shit. What a blessing. That is the difference. That is why we have the NHL we have today and not just some like, you know, random half defunct, barely watched league that we, we had way before. I know, and, and getting back to your point, it, it's actually funny because I, I I've been tossed. I've got a couple ideas for another article I want to write, but one of the things that I was I, when I was just doing some uh, Red Wings draft history research was, man, the number of impact players that comes out of every draft is such a small number, and I don't think people realize that. Like, do you know how many first line players? come out of any given draft when you go back through the years, if you get more than 10 in a draft, it's a phenomenal draft. And I, I don't think people realize that. Like, 5 to 15, like, truly top-end players come out of every draft. And I'm not even saying elite. If you want to talk about elite, you're lucky to get one, maybe two. Like, it's crazy how how, how few there are. And yet people think, oh, yeah, we got pick 29. That should be an absolute superstar because it's a first round pick. Yeah, no, no. All right. I'm going to move us along to overtime here. Um, and in the spirit of what we've been doing lately, we're going to talk about uh, initiatives to help out um, either the local uh, Michigan community or, or just initiatives that uh, kind of help people out and try to do some good in the world. So where we might usually have advertising slots or reserve this for people who would do paid advertising, we are going to be shouting out um, initiatives or companies that could use our help. So this one was forwarded to us from longtime listener Blake Medler, and it is a uh, it is the Tree to Truck Driver program, and it is a uh, GoFundMe or a fundraiser uh, to help out truck drivers who are um, still working during this pandemic. Um, obviously, those who are kind of stuck at home uh, know that food security is still very much uh, for the most part alive and well and, and though it's a little bit more cumbersome to get we are all still able to get our goods and groceries and, and online shop and things like that and that does not happen without the trucking community so this is a uh, GoFundMe put together um, by the um, I'm trying to find both of their names here it's Angela Baum and I believe her husband um, so uh, Angie and Larry Baum so that's really really great of them and what they're doing is they're uh, putting together brown bag 
lunches for truck drivers because it's harder for them to stop somewhere and find somewhere to eat. So um, it's a really cool initiative. Um, treat a truck driver. We're going to put the link in the description of this episode. Please check it out. Uh, go look up the GoFundMe. And even if you can pitch in a few bucks, um, that would be a really awesome way of, of supporting people who are still helping support um, the global community right now. So without further ado, we're going to head into overtime. And on this midweek episode of the Wingwheel podcast, it is going to be exclusive to Patreon supporters uh, as our way of saying thank you for continuing to support the show, allowing us to continue this podcast through the quarantine uh, remotely. Um, you guys are the engine behind um, our idiocy. So thank you for um, continuing that. Starting off with Ryan Calameni, he says, I can't wait for this quarantine to be over. I'm dreaming of the day I can go out to eat and be asked, can I start you off with any drinks or appetizers? And the answer will be, yes, I will take all of the appetizers you, appetizers you have and a beer. Uh, Ryan, great name. And yes, 100% agree. Uh, <laughs> I love this name. Clinton Kildepstein says, as stated a million times in the past, <laughs> Wings most likely pick is four. With that being said, do you think Eisenman's recent experience of seeing someone like Braden Point flourish in Tampa Bay works in Marco Rossi's favor at all and maybe helps them ignore the stigma of drafting small players high in the draft? Also, John Scott saying Nick Lidstrom is maybe a top five defenseman of all time in one of his recent pods has to be one of the worst takes of any past or current player. Thanks, guys. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll address both these here. Um, one, I, I think it absolutely puts Rossi on the table at four. Um, I, I don't think Asman cares about that. He just wants good players. I honestly, I are you 28 out of the 29 or 29 NHL GMs feel the same way. There's, there can't be that many GMs left who are her anti-small player, just seeing how they all flourish in the NHL. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't have Rossi in my top four, but it, it's absolutely reasonable. Um, and John's calling Nick Lidstrom maybe a top five defenseman is laughable, but I'm I read an article on NHL.com recently where they ranked all the NHL's greatest defensemen. Now, cumulatively, between all the writers, like a dozen of them or twenty of them, however many it was, Lidstrom finished second. Which is the correct answer, but they revealed where all the writers put those defensemen and there were more than three who had Nick Lidstrom outside of their top four writing for NHL.com. So what what I'm getting with it, this is if you're sitting there and you're not sure what you want to do as a career because you don't feel like you're qualified for it or you don't know anything about the subject you're talking about, you in fact can do it. Thank you until you make it. These guys can. If those guys can write for NHL.com and we can start a pod, we can start the biggest Red Wings podcast on the air. You can do anything, kids. I mean, I, I can't fathom an argument for Nick Lidstrom not in the top two. All bias aside, the dude won seven Norrises after the age of 30, probably got robbed out of two or three more. Won four Stanley Cups, first European Conn Smythe trophy winner, first European Stanley Cup captain. I mean, like, sure, you, you could make a real good case for a guy like Ray Bork. I, I wouldn't agree with it, but I, I could hear the argument. But no, you're telling me you can think of four defensemen better than Nick Lidstrom in the history of hockey? I don't care how subjective this subject is. You're wrong. You're just flat out wrong. 
Um, Alex Ott says, so let's, uh, let's say the wings pick second this year and a team asked them for a trade. What teams would you be willing to move the second overall pick this year in exchange for their first round pick this year and their 2022 first round pick as a sweetener? Thanks for the content and stay safe. Ottawa's the right. So if you're next right, as you were saying that if you were trading, if you, if the Red Wings are picking second overall this year, uh, and they have the option to move that pick to another team for their first round pick this year and their first round pick next year, or sorry, not next year, 2022, who would you pick? And I think the answer to that is Ottawa, right? Um, man, I would look, have, <laughs> I don't know if San Jose would be willing to go three years in a row without a first round pick, but that that's probably who I would. I would do it with because they're probably out of all the teams near the basement, they're probably the oldest. So Ottawa is still a good bet to suck, especially with their goaltending situation, but they're young. They are on the upward trajectory. Um, They will not be a worse team next year than they are this year in all likelihood. Um, LA has maybe the strongest farm system in the NHL. So, you know, it won't be long before they turned it around. New Jersey, again, another team that's bad, but young. So again, you can bet on them moving upwards. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't make that trade because that's just too much uncertainty to give up a guy like Byfield or even Stutzla. But yeah, I, I think I would be asking San Jose for that deal and, and banking on hopefully Burns and, and Vlasic and the other North of 30s don't turn it around. Uh, Joseph Delia says, sup, my dudes, if you could choose to feature another hockey movie or documentary on a specific person or group, such as the Russian five, who would you pick to learn more about? I'd go maybe with Pavel to learn more about his upbringing and training. My girlfriend picks Brad Crisco for some reason. Uh, also living in West Michigan, I unfortunately don't know many who like hockey. Majority are Lions fans. You'd think after a hundred years of misery, people would either find a new sport or a different team. I'll be watching the draft tonight because I need some sort of sports in my life. Can't wait to see how the Lions screw this up. Thanks, guys. I'm right there with you, Joseph. Um, movie or documentary about any group or player i think pav would be a good one because he had a really interesting childhood he did but he might be the most boring personality of any superstar the red wings ever had um welcome to every hockey player i I mean it's a it's a cop-out answer because it's obvious but man eisenman coming in at 18 and then playing through the dead wings for so long and then underachieving for a bunch of years would be a fascinating case study I mean, anybody following the Washington Capitals from 07 and then the decade later when they won the cup would be super interesting. Uh, I could think of about 100 players from the 40s, 50s, 60s. That would be interesting. Um, I know there's been a couple made-for-TV movies about Rocket Richard that were uh, pretty interesting. But yeah, even even like the OG NHL superstars could be super cool back in the day when hockey was just like becoming a thing like your Howie Morenzes of the world uh, could be uh, would be really really damn cool but obviously not possible but uh, super interesting um, maybe about some players who served in the second world war and then came back and then came to be like hall of fame players I'd like to learn or see a video about Brett Hall's bender he was just on um, we could some do a whole mini series like we could do a whole mini series on Ovechkin's post cup hangover. Actually, while Evan was talking, I think I thought of my answer. Like my, if I had to pick one, um, cause it was his WW2 point. Uh, one of the most fascinating th- 
we'll call them trios, lines in NHL history. The Kraut line from the Bruins in the 1940s. Last line to lead the NHL 1-2-3 in scoring. All It's more relevant for us because all three were born and raised in Kitchener-Waterloo, hence why they were called the Kraut line, so they're local to us. They were drafted into the military, went and fought in World War II, came back, kept playing. Uh, Milt Schmidt um, ended up being the GM of the Bruins after that. I, I think there would be one hell of a story to tell there. Thanks, Have you guys Pierre. watched um, the uh, Chicago Bulls documentary yet on Netflix? No, no. Not yet. The no. first two episodes it. are... It, it, I think they do two episodes a week. The first two are so good. So good. Oh, I didn't think I'd like it that much because I'm not a huge basketball fan. But uh, I basically watched them back to back. They were so good. Buddy, I grew up with the uh, MJ Bulls, man. I am super stoked oh, you're so to watch old. this. Old as hell, man. He grew up. They didn't even have uh, color couch. TV then. Because what didn't he like start in the NBA the year I was born? Like literally grew up with him. <laughs> I think you it was 1984, 1985. It was that far back. I thought he was closer to 86, 87. Nope. No oh, shit. Well, Brad, either way, the point still stands. But yeah, that that I that's on my must watch. If I make it a week without catching up fully, I'll be shocked. I do have a, an, I find it really interesting watching documentaries about the people who are the greatest at their sports and just like the coaches when they're in high school, they're like, yeah, I already knew like this guy was better than anyone already on the team or like when he went to North Carolina, they're like, this guy's going to be insane. Like it's just crazy. Like the amount of knowledge they absorb so quickly and how much better they get so quickly in such a short amount of time and they just rise above their peers almost instantaneously. I find it super interesting. And their per- the personalities behind these players too always fascinates me because like their level of dedication and competitiveness, like if they weren't so supremely talented, anybody would look at them and go, this isn't healthy. This is a problem. But yeah, because they're so good, they know they're going to make it, so they never question it. In the first two episodes, they really detailed into Michael Jordan's competitiveness, and he's like out there in practice, like yelling at other guys who are world class athletes. But his he is just another competitive level they don't even have. It's it, it's crazy. It, it's such a good watch. Uh, YBK says, "Hey there, fellas, longtime listener, first time patron, uh, Ryan. If you recall a YouTube comment saying uh, before that anyone started talking, I thought Brad was Evan. That was me. That actually happens quite a bit, believe it or not. But thank you so much uh, for joining us and supporting us, uh, and welcome to the Dubbed Up family. Uh, they go on to say the three of you have given me much amusement and hockey insight over the past couple of years, so I figure why not actually support you, dingbats, and your crazy shenanigans." That's the general, uh, that's what we're hoping for. So it, it's, I'm happy to see that, uh, that you feel that we're worth supporting. So thank you so much. And we'll try to continue our, we'll try to keep our, our shenanigans within a, a reasonable level, but never let it go away. Uh, Ding two bad. things. Dingbat is an underutilized word. Uh, Ryan, as a scouser supporting scum, uh, I mean, Liverpool supporter, does it bother you that you bear a disturbing resemblance to the savior of Manchester United, Bruno Fernandez? Uh, I've been told as much. Um, and, uh, though I would love to just have any opportunity to rip on someone from Manchester United, um, I will continue to do that to say, if you look like me, I'm sorry for the way you look. So sorry, Bruno, you're not going to find any sympathy or, um, uh, fandom for me uh, and two as someone who doesn't get deep down into the weeds regarding the minor league system in virtually any sport could you do a quick rundown of the major ha, minor leagues as it pertains to the nhl i hear the terms ahl khl qmjhl and whatnot but i have no idea what to make of them when i hear them within the podcast keep up the good work 
boys stay safe and let's not get too disappointed when we inevitably end up drafting somehow at sixth again cheers okay so um if we start with the north american professional ranks i I won't go all the way down to my shitty semi-pro league that's in the boonies of nowhere ontario but um for the major leagues you've got nhl one step below that is the ahl that's the farm teams of the nhl teams one step below that is ahl is still considered professional hockey yeah but it's still pro same with the step below that echl um so for the red wings specifically their ahl echl affiliations are obviously the grand rapids griffins and then the toledo walleye and then at least on the east coast two of the still professional hockey leagues in the states are the sphl southern professional hockey league and the fhl the federal hockey league which Depending who you talk to, some people classify that as hockey. Some people classify that as legalized assault. But either way, it's it's a sounds like something straight out of Slapshot. I I might it might actually be the league. Like, and I'm not even joking that the the guys are hacking darts out there and warm up. Oh yeah, I have I had a buddy who has played in the Fed who played in the Fed for three years, and the stories, my God, like the league I play in is considered a a rougher league, the, the senior A circuit, but. I've never seen a bench clearing brawl. He said he he was a participant in at least six. So, Jesus, for for whatever that's worth, uh, I I did not verify any of that information. By the way, so he could be talking out his ass. Then in Canada, the CHL consists of three leagues: QMJHL, WHL, OHL. That's junior hockey. These guys are not professional athletes. They are straight up juniors. Um, and in the states. That would Hold be on, the, let's let's tell them what those are. QMJHLs in Qu- Quebec, Quebec, mostly. Yep. Um, OHLs in Ontario, mostly, and WHLs in Western Canada, mostly. Yep. And then the United States equivalent would be the USHL, United States Hockey League. That's your junior hockey, big junior hockey circuit in the states. And then to a lesser extent, the NAHL, the North American Hockey League. I'm not going to bother rhyming off all the junior A circuits in Canada because there's a million of them. And then in Europe, KHL, Russia's professional league. Um, so that would be the NHL of Europe. Um, most people consider that the second best league in the world. And then you get the SHL, Sweden's top league, the Liga, Finnish Liga, Finland's top league, the DEL, Germany's top league. And then there's again a bunch of other smaller circuits. The Swiss league actually is a, is a very good league in. Uh, Europe, so I should probably mention that as well. Beyond that, most of the leagues are too small or obscure to really bother worrying about too much. Uh, Just Your Average Teach says, time to play Brad's favorite game of nine options, pick three. Uh, but today is a depressing edition of pick three of the nine former Wings prospects you uh, wish would have panned out. Lexi Marchenko, Thomas McCollum, Marty Furk, Timu Polkinen, Ryan Spruill, Xavier Ouellette, Thomas Yurko, Dick Axelson, and Jakob Kindle. Anyways, stay safe, guys. Uh, wash your hands and stay fresh, cheese bags. Okay, if I had to pick three of them to pan out, uh, in my mind, this one's a, a pretty easy one, actually. Um, I would go Yurko, Kindle, um, McCollum, because then you have your super high-skilled forward, you have your franchise goalie, and you have your... Kindle was supposed to be a number one power play quarterback in the NHL, so if... If those three pan out, you've got three very important positions covered with great players. But, you know, the Red Wings didn't know how to draft from 2001 to 2012. So here we are.
Yeah, I think Yurko is a good one because of his like supremely high ceiling because of just how good his raw skills were. Uh, Kindle, just so there would be some kind of continuity and defenseman in the Red Wings wouldn't have gone seven years so far or however long it's been since Listen retired with um, virtually no support on defense outside of like one or two odd good players a year. Uh, I would probably go Timu Polkin in here um, just because if that was a top six player with the absolute cannon that he had, or maybe you can make the same case for Marty Furk, then uh, that would be a really excellent boon for Detroit's forward group. Uh, okay, Stay Fresh Onion Bags of Fournier Company says, Hey, fellas, sorry about my lengthy comment last episode. I didn't even pay attention. My bad. Haha, <laughs> I'd hate for you guys to have to implement a character limit just because... All kidding aside, my dreams are starting starting to get really weird. I dreamt last night that the government was hunting people Logan's rust Logan's run style because they were holding hands, uh, and the KGB started questioning me about it. Ah, so I see you're dreaming about Evan. Uh, anyways, the NFL draft is tonight. How will the Lions find a way to firk it up this time? If they trade their third to Miami for their fifth in mid-round first, will they still get Okuda? Uh, you want to know how I think they're going to mess it up? I think they... I have two theories. One, Chase Young is going to be available at three, and they're still going to either pass on him or trade away. Two, they're going to trade Tua, or they're going to draft Tua, and I will not hear uh, Matt Stafford uh, slander on this podcast. Or three, they are going to trade away their third overall pick for Miami or to Miami, and Miami's not, a, not even going to give them their fifth. Did you see that? That Miami wants to try to trade for Detroit's third overall pick without giving fifth overall because they want to try to trade third and fifth for first because they want Joe Burrow? Um, good on them for being progressive, but no way in a million years that happens. Yeah, no. Uh, Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, we now have confirmation of the NHL gaming challenge and that Bowie and Mantha will, be, will represent the Wings. This obviously means that we'll be re-signing Bowie. My question for you is, how will Agent Brad's first client contract negotiations go and why will Bowie get seven years, $49 million? Uh, I hear Hel- uh, Helene St. James is um, preemptively giving the contract an A++ rating. But seriously, thanks for giving us a twice-weekly dose of the quarantined winged wheel or quarantined wheel podcast quarantined wheel podcast six on the ice boys uh keep keep making the simple plays let's go red wings oh and this next comment and our final comment is from none other than kim (laughs) jong-un says greetings dirty american sympathizers it is me supreme leader best of of best korea despite the u.s-led propaganda campaigns i'm here to reassure you that the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated uh that is a unique quote i made up and no one else has ever said it I noticed that whilst you are languishing with the COVID-19 situation, North Korea North Korea remains best Korea as we continue to have zero cases. This is obviously due to my immensely great leadership, the overall superiority and health and excellent health of our people who get by on a nutritious diet of snow, air, dirt, palace food scraps, and stray dog soup. We also laugh superiorly at your lack of sports whilst the NKHL playoffs are in full swing for the Kim Lee Cup. The Pyongyang Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles are the favorites to win it all, but don't con- count out the ham-hung death to imperialistic Americans <laughs> who finished the season strong, and it isn't looking good for the defending champs, Chon Jin, humanitarian aid oppressors who lost their star player to injury when he questioned me and walked in front of a firing squad. He's out for the season, and his career is over. In honor of best Korea, what are the best red, white, and blue jerseys ever in any league? Obviously, you can't say America because I have nukes aimed at you. And then it's a series of Korean characters that I have translated uh, literally to keep fresh cheese bag. 
best red, white, and blue jerseys ever? Um, Habs Reds, uh, Rangers Blues, uh, Buffalo Bills Throwbacks, uh, Team USA 1980. Team USA and two versions of the Rangers. They're Lady Liberty ones and they're just classic blues. I don't know. Red, white, and blue has done so much. You can find so many good ones. It's probably my favorite non-red and white color scheme on a jersey, honestly. It just, it's so good. I don't know, Evan, do you have any red, white, and blue jerseys that we didn't suggest? Did you name any of the Team Canada ones? Sorry, I wasn't listening. Have there been red, white, and blue Team Canada jerseys? Oh, red, white, and blue. Sorry, I missed the blue part. Mm. Just had a bit of a a mental moment there. You? Um, No. Sorry, someone's selling? Oh, I'm not even going to get into it. I'll talk about it later. I don't want anyone to steal my my source of cheap uh, hard drives. Um, red, white, and blue jerseys, eh? In hockey only? Uh, across any league. There had to have been some good Ryder Cup red, white, and blue jerseys. Best Ryder Cup. First, thing, first thing I'm doing when the uh, stay-at-home bits. Uh, initiative is lift, lifted is punch you in the face. Oh, there's some there's some good ones. There's oh. the, I wish I could just pull my screen up right now. There's some some good looks. Shit, some I awful forgot. ones. But some I forgot good ones. mid nineties Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that's a good answer. Forgot about them. Yeah. Oh, dude, can add because the logo was red. Quebec Nordiques. Oh uh. yeah. Oh man. Well, Maybe that's a good point to uh, wrap up this week's episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast. Um, thank you all for tuning in. We have some fun interviews and things coming up. Uh, thank you all for bearing with us. I know we switched up the order a little bit this week by moving to Thursday. That is completely on uh, me, Ryan. So if you dare to complain, I ask you to tweet at HockeytownEvan. Thank you. Um, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, um, our name level sponsors, uh, starting with the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kwaz, Stan Olson. Thank you all so very much. We will see you on Sunday. Day. Stay safe. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.